the leader. What is up the internet? It is your friendly neighborhood CTC and pretty soon we're going to be joined by the man himself, Timothy Styles, for on, another... Stop. Oh, come on, dude. These <laughs> intros... These intros are supposed to be explaining who we are and what the show is. You can't introduce yourself as your friendly neighborhood CTC. Okay. First of all, what would you rather, like, what would you rather have me introduce myself as? Well, you're Cutthroat Cody, a professional wrestler. That's me. Right. I'm a professional wrestling fan or historian. Especially Timothy Styles. That's you. Uh... So when you say, hey, internet, it's your friendly neighbor. I like Spider-Man. That's fine. <laughs> but you're a, a heel who wears all black and comes out to but devilish I, imagery wearing a leather jacket. I'm, I'm, not hey, necessarily, I'm not necessarily a heel anymore. I'm actually a very aggressive bad, bad guy. All right. Very aggressive all right. good guy. Fine. Just saying. You don't see Stone Cold when he was doing his podcast. Like, hey, y'all. This is your friendly neighborhood. <laughs> Cold Stone, Steve Austin. Ah, get it? Oh man, I have. I thankfully I have a switch, man. I'm not always on, but don't you? Well, here's a good question. You know what? Fuck it. Hit the music. Okay, now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. Concerning the switch. Yes. The fact that don't you wish you didn't have a switch a little bit? No, not at all. I'm not saying behind the scenes. Yeah. But in the locker room, you know, you got you have to, you know, be it would be behoove of you to be polite. You know, hello, how are you? Here's what we're going to do. You know, I'm open to suggestion. Yada, yeah, yada, yada, right? But the minute you leave a locker room or a hotel room or go anywhere where there's the capacity or the capability of having a camera, in other words, in public. Yeah. Maybe not at a coffee shop or something when there's just one person. You don't have to worry about that one guy filming you. But, you know, shouldn't you be in character? Let's talk kayfabe, brother. Well, so my character, uh, so the satanic imagery and all the occult stuff, I was doing that when I was definitely in my hill run. And, oh, did I ever maintain my status as who I was in the ring outside of the ring? That was. Don't bullshit me, because oh, first man. of all, we met during that time. We I met think. during we met during that time. And we have recorded podcasts during that time, not for this show, but for a previous show. Well, I'm Hurt was the project done when I was injured. Right. And no, before that. I used to have a show called uh, Timothy Styles Must Die. That's right. Yes. I, I think I reached out to you like, hello, professional wrestling stranger. Uh, I'm <laughs> interested in interviewing, you know, you or anyone, you know. How many you, years ago was that now? I don't know. It has to be like three, possibly four. Oh, yeah. More than that. Yeah. So and. But anyway, you came on and you were perfectly sweet. And I think I even broached it in that interview that if I were you, I'm not sure. I wish I had a copy of that interview so I would play a clip here, but I don't. Um, if I were you, I'm not sure I would have sat down and done that interview. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, even out of character. 
so what so just the comparison between me then and me now there there is a little bit of a difference like i got i got i'm not going to buy your merchandise heat back when i was in my heel run right. and people actually hated me and i was completely fine with that i didn't hang out after shows to try to sell my merchandise i i was forced into selling my merchandise at a table one time and i never did it again and you were forced i i was i i heavily suggested let's put it that way from um from one of the promoters mm-hmm. and he said hey get out there and sell your stuff because he gets a 10 percent cut or something no he didn't even get a 10 percent cut it was just like we just need people out there we just need people out there there's not anybody out there you got to go out there and it's like oh fuck okay and i hated doing it right. uh that's, and that's why i say if you're gonna be in wrestling and you know you're gonna be a heel i mean you should create a character that is close to who you actually are so that when you are not at work, you don't have to change that much. Right. Someone comes up to me or comes up to you and says, oh, my God, you're Cutthroat Cody. And you could be like, yeah. I mean, like how else if you were a, a, someone who was competing professionally and somebody came up to you in public and they expressed that they were a fan to you, even if you were a bad guy, you go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. You know what I mean? Like. <laughs> Unless you're Brock Lesnar, who, I, who who has a reputation for hating people, I had a offsite rule, right? Uh-huh. My offsite rule was is that if anybody recognizes me offsite, can I interject? Yes, I just made. Uh, I just want to say this for the listener. I just made us both some tea, so if you hear us like sipping, like a couple of English gents, that's what. Here you go. Delicious, because it is very hot, and you can't just suck it down. But anyway. Your offsite rule. My offsite rule was that if I was ever recognized during my hill run, that I would entertain them with a conversation and let them know that I appreciated their support. And then the interaction, oddly enough, I've sold T-shirts out of my car to someone that I've had an interaction with offsite. Right. Onsite, for instance, this is one of my favorite stories of when I was a heel it was during Nick Bugatti's like first like debut type of year, like his rookie year. Mm-hmm. And there was a fan that wandered around backstage and he was wearing a John Cena shirt and he had the spinner rim belt and the armbands <laughs> and he had he made a sign and he was having a bunch of wrestlers sign it. And then Wow. This Nick- guy <laughs> Yeah. You know, I don't like throwing around the term Mark because oh. it almost has a negative connotation with with this guy. Super Mark. Jesus. Super Mark, for sure. Yeah. And anyone he, who blows $300 on a fake title. Yes. And I've told you this. I don't think on the air. Uh, you know, if you ever go, if I ever go to, uh, I don't know, a SmackDown taping or any professional wrestling event. I think if you got one of those belts over your shoulder, you should have to defend it. <laughs> so anyway, you know, immediately. If I be like, "Hey, put, hey, you pussy, <laughs> hey champ, how about we go toe to toe, mono e huh? mono?" Yeah, and it, by the way, it's never like some super huge jack guy. Like, all right, son, that's some <laughs> some middle aged dude with the spotty beard who's like. <laughs> A little overweight. 
I, you know, I appreciate fans, and yeah, I, yeah. and that's the one thing. I shouldn't take the piss out. Yeah. of them, but look, you should recognize there there are rules in life. <laughs> that you if you walk around with a championship title, you have to defend it at all times. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> rule number one. If you're gonna go to a band's concert, don't wear their T-shirt. You look like a fucking goof. Yeah, man. Like you look like you want to blow the lead singer. Take it easy. That's that, and in some cases, some people might want to do that. So that's why. Girls are okay to do <laughs> and that. I guess unless it's oh, yeah, here's the deal. Let's say it's 1987. Yes, and I see Belinda Carlisle. I'll wear a fucking uh, go-go shirt. There you go. Just for the slight chance, I might happen to trip and fall into her cooter. Oops. <laughs> so the, the the story goes: Nick Bugatti, the kid specifically asked for me, right? And he's like, "Well, where's Cody?" and Nick Bugatti pointed me around the corner and then he came as I was backstage in our backstage area at the FSW arena, not to ruin the illusion for anybody, but it's not really a backstage area. You're just kind of taking your junk out in the back of a warehouse, bro. Cafe brother, brother for the sake of the story needs to be told. All right. Kid comes up to me and is like, Oh, uh, cutthroat Cody, you had a really good match tonight. Uh, can you, can you please sign the sign that I made? And I looked at him and I I looked at his attire and I looked at his title and I saw the amount of signatures that had already been on the little tiny poster board. Did you rip this thing up? (laughs) I looked at him and I said, did you buy a t-shirt? Right. They were at the merchandise stand. And he was like, no. And I told him, well, then get the fuck out of here. And then he proceeded to slumber around the corner to back back to Nick Bugatti. I'll correct you. Lumber. Yeah. Thank you. Lumber. And went back to Nick Bugatti. I, I just don't understand what that guy's deal is. Uh, yeah. My deal is, is that you're he's gonna, f- he's, you're fucking bothering me. He's going to become a wrestler one day and he's going to super kick you in the middle of your talking segment. I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. The, get the Disco Inferno receipt, brother. That's it. And so now uh, things are a little bit differently. And as... Many people know that I am one of the head trainers over at Future Stars Wrestling, and it, my role in that has been become that of a trainer as well as a performer. And it, when I when the lights are on and I go out through the curtain, like I'm I'm intense because I know that I'm about to approach. A confrontation. Right. Physical. Physical confrontation. If I am not about to approach a physical confrontation, then I'm not going to... My voice is already fucked up as it is. This is why we're drinking the tea, because I'm always coughing on fucking camera. Or in a microphone. Yes. Uh, My apologies. No, it's all right. It doesn't bother me. Yeah, but for the people listening. Right. But that's, that's the thing, man, is that I... I am blessed to be able to turn it on and turn it off. And you, you were talking about Jimmy Hart a few episodes back and how your one thing is like, this guy is just always on, always mm-hmm. on. Yeah, but no, I don't think that he's always on. I think that who he actually is now is a really annoying old brother, brother, brother. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because when you talk to, there's this thing with like wrestlers from the 80s, if you ever meet one, and I'm sure you have, 
where you go like, oh, my gosh, I'm such a big fan. They're like, oh, yeah, well, and then they can't help it without um, solicitation. They will break into old stories that you didn't ask for. And then you immediately go, oh, crap. What have I done? (laughs) For for me, I really love that stuff. Like, that's some of my my favorite. No, but there are some people where you're like, fuck, I got shit to do. And you got to start doing the walk backwards gimmick. Or like, oh, boy, that also happens for sure. And it's a it's a shame because I can imagine that when I'm in that time, I would be more than happy to regale any tale that I had. Right. But you also have to know your audience. If somebody's just coming up to you to tell you hello, and if it's not a formal setting, you know, it's not time to try to trap them for 20 minutes and then try to tell them about something that they didn't even some people don't understand some people don't understand that though you understand Uh, and i do understand that they don't understand that i know that i know that you knew that you knew i had a thought while you were going on um kayfabe brother 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 um think about amusement parks what's the most successful of all the amusement parks disney's fuck yeah it is i mean that's why when it's not covid time those places are packed the lines are over an hour and all that shit meanwhile every uh september i normally go to six flags magic mountain because that's where the excitement actually is and there's no lines yeah man um but there's something to be said about disney's popularity it's not like people just you know like oh fuck i gotta go on splash mountain uh because of you know song of the south or whatever that that fuck uh, they take the effort to exercise kayfabe in that joint. Yes. I mean, like the performers are performing. You're not going to see anybody without their mascot costume on. And I mean, it's more right. than, it's more than that. Every morning, you know, the entire crew has to go around with Brasso and polish all the knobs and all this shit. And they do paint touch-ups and the flower guy comes in and spruces up the greenery, you know, I mean, the word is, is behind the scenes. I mean, there's just, you know, dead rats and, and cat shit everywhere. Yes. You know, but uh, as far as everyone else knows, the you know, the kayfabe of the situation, it's fucking beautiful. And that's yep. why people go there because it's clean. It's beautiful. And and, and there meanwhile, is- over in. Uh, Six Flags, it's like Little Mexico. And and it's I fucking love Six Flags, uh, by the way. And as far as with me, you you've seen you've seen me outside of wrestling, you've yeah. seen me in a wrestling ring, and you've also briefly been able to see me train people. Right. Um not not everybody really gets to see all three right Cody's you know a lot of people only get to see on stage Cody right in just a little while you're going to be meeting Terry Gordy here in a return match one of the wildest battles we have ever seen and Terry Gordy's determined he said you are no competition a return match with Terry Gordy right here in my hometown Oklahoma City now, Terry Gordy, you come out here and you tell everybody how bad you're going to beat me up. Well, pal, I'm standing here right now, and I'll be standing in that ring here in a few minutes. And you can do all your talking in the locker room and tell all your buddies how bad you're going to kick my tail. But when you get in that squared circle, brother, you're going to find out how tough Dr. Death really is. Throw away all the wrestling. 
Throw away everything, pal, because it ain't gonna be a wrestling match. It's gonna be a right down fight. And here, right here in Oklahoma. And when I hear these people start saying Dr. Death and screaming Dr. Death, you better look out, Terry Gordy, because I'm gonna can you. Behind the scenes, Cody is probably fucking scarier than in the ring. And there is many people that will attest to that. Like, I get really fucking mean. Well, I don't think it's mean. I think because I'm probably the same way in that I love to play. I yep. love to play, and when it's time to play, God damn it, I'm going to cut a rug and have a good time and laugh hysterically. Yes. Uh, then, when it's time for business, I'm all business. Yeah. I don't fuck around. I, you know, there's a task at hand and it has to be done and I will do whatever it takes to get it done. And if somebody's fucking around on business time, then I need to have some stern words with that person. Hey, quit fucking around. Pull your head out of your ass. Yeah. Put it back on your shoulders, you know, tightly and fucking finish it up. And for me, uh, I go through a lot of range of emotions throughout day-to-day life there's plenty of moments that i wake up and we're like yeah everything's happening everything's good and then all of a sudden i get a text message that somebody is an idiot and then i have to actually handle situations as they come along oh great you're like a guidance fucking counselor people don't know how to hold themselves accountable and now i have been tasked in the uh, role of making people hold themselves accountable and i have no problem with that role because when I was coming up, there was nobody there to do it. There was just people acting a fucking fool. And it was like, oh, well, you know how this how this goes. Mm, it doesn't go like that anymore. And I'm not going to let it go like that anymore. I remember hearing all the stories from Jim Ross through various books and podcasts and things for his time and movies, documentaries, etc. About his time as a talent manager and all the silly shit he had to put up with because people would come to him and be like oh my girlfriend's fucking around on me with so and so and on yeah he's a fucking professional businessman he's just like jesus christ some of these people are children and and a lot of them are and i remember one of them and that's at the highest level by the way at, at the highest level now i can't change that world right however I have a very big say in my world. And as far as wrestling is concerned in Vegas, my reach extends past FSW if it has to. Right. And I have openly and privately gone to people to give them help and advice whenever they're doing something that might take them out of lane. And they're like, hey, let's dial it back a little bit. So it's I can't be that person 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Right. There's it would not be healthy for me. Now, if my character was let's let's think of a new gimmick real quick. Oh, one for you? One for me. What's a new gimmick that I can do where I'm just constantly on and guys, you can't believe what's going to happen this Sunday night. Oh, I'm going to beat somebody's butt. Like, (laughs) I can't, I I don't want to fucking do that. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) But but if I were to do that, what would the name be? Beat someone's butt. But I can't cuss. We need to have a conversation about I can't cuss on TV. Yeah, right? but there's got to be a more colorful way to put that. 
a more colorful this? way. This Saturday night <laughs> in the steel cage, Each. I'm gonna beat ten gallons of gravy out of your biscuits. It's perfect. How's that? Perfect. So, like, I'll tell you what you. I'm just, not saying that was the best promo, but at least I livened it up with some interesting uh, verbiage and interesting verbiage, and that's it. <laughs> and I, I, I completely agree with you. But that is. There's some people that can do that, and they do that very, very, very well. Uh, Rocky T. Mm-hmm. Rocky T, that is, he is channeling all the 80s talkers. Yeah. And my man is. I think that was my comment to you that, uh, well, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to say it. You don't have to if you don't want to, but you could. Uh, okay, well, look. Maybe, I, maybe pull up. We'll pull the punch if you have to. Well, okay, I'll say this. He gives me Buffalo Jim vibes minus the carny. Um, Rocky T is a much better person than Buffalo Jim. I believe that. Well, yes. he's a respected business person who yes. runs a, 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 a decent business. You know, he's not a wild, dirty goof. But yes. I think there there was a a developed a, a slowly evolved dialect that hit its apex in the 80s. Yes. And then it died off with the line share of those particular characters. Some people who are old school have not been able to let go of that verbiage or dialect. And uh yeah, I've I've heard him speak. Yes. And I thought like Jesus Christ this guy's getting in on, you know, macho man's gimmick, man. Yes. Or, you know, any number of guys, you know, something brother, let me tell you, blah, 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 blah. It's like, all right, take it easy. Jesus Christ. Who talks like this? This (laughs) When he goes to waffle house, let me tell you something, brother. I need two buttermilk, light and And, fluffy. And, but, and the, the, the the thing is though, is that there are some people, he's going to beat me up. if you ever see? Oh man, he'll be fine. Like rock. Well, I hope so because I, I'm still pretty spry. Yes. Well, and Rocky is somebody that is valued and appreciated. And he is the example that I'm going to use with. Yes, there are some people that do have to maintain that character. Macho Man Randy Savage was notoriously known for being Macho Man Randy Savage. And I don't know, yeah, I mean, for, you hear about him for behind... better or worse. Yeah. Yeah, so, the stuff with Miss Elizabeth and the oh closets and yeah, a bit extreme. Bad business. And and then there's people uh, recently, uh, Lazarus, mm-hmm. uh, who teams with Adriel Noctis and they're in Creature Feature. Lazarus, I watched grow from a kind of pudgy, out of weight, like out of shape, a uh, 15 year old, mm-hmm. and now he's in his 20s. And he's leaned up a lot and he's hitting the gym and he went from not really having a character to now he's doing this thing with Primo Pulpo and Adriel and he's Primo Pulpo. I love that name. I don't know what it means. He's the Latin Kraken. <laughs> the, he's, he's, he's the Latin Kraken. I don't know what this guy looks like, and I don't care. I love it already. And, and, so, and like he's kind of the wrangler for creature feature. You know, it's his. They're his monsters. Sure. And Lazarus has been really honing this character out of nowhere, and he loves old school horror, and he's walking like a zombie. 
after he's beating somebody up and he's rising from the grave. Uh Oh, you just lost me. I'm sorry. guys. Right. But I'm for it because he believes in it and he pulls it off and it doesn't seem like it's an act when he's doing it. Lazarus. It doesn't. No, it doesn't. I'm sorry. Look, let me speak out of turn, by the way. I'm sure Lazarus, uh, Lazarus is a sweet dude. Yeah. Uh, I feel the same way about, what's his name, Adrian Noctis? Adriel Noctis. Adriel Noctis. Yes. Um, both a couple of handsome-looking cats. Yes. Um, and I'll speak on Adriel first. I know I asked you, I said, hey, what's this guy's gimmick? And you're like, he's goth. And I was like, oh, really? Yeah, yeah, the fishnet. Uh, you Peter know, Still, typo hat. negative. I guess, but yes. what, every time I see Like pictures, nail on the head. I guess when I see pictures, I don't think goth. You know, when I think goth, I think of Robert Smith of The Cure. When I see Adriel Noctis, I go, oh, this guy's gay. Well, and in today's day and age, that is definitely something that nobody has a problem with. No, and it, it certainly isn't. But it, I've, I'm almost confused. Like, is that his character? Is he gay? No. His, he's, he's goth, it's, man. It's, it, so you're thinking a different era of goth. I guess so. Well, here's what I'm getting at. Why not, if you're going to wear a fishnet shirt, make it a full shirt? The fact that it is a belly shirt. <laughs> you have to be, you have to see his abs. It's a fishnet shirt. And that, and you can still see his abs and his musculature. It's not your cup of tea. Yes, I'm not trying to downplay him. Coincidentally, as we're we're drinking tea, however... And he strikes me as a young guy, so he's probably too young to realize, hey, not everyone's going to love you and don't take what I have to say personally. Of course. I'm not burying you, brother, brother, brother. And, and, like, once again, it's not even out of defense. I grew up in that time period of the transition from what you described as goth to what I would describe as goth. I guess. So I, in other words, I'm too old to understand this. Yeah. Danzig and Peter still, and those, both of them were synonymous for wearing fishnets, like fishnet shirts. And the, the thing is, is that you're not a fan of the undertaker, right? Well, that's, we'll get there in a second. That has nothing to do with goth. Goth. I'll say, uh, goth was never quite my, uh, my cup of tea sonically. Yes. I'm not a fan of supernatural. Right. So if if uh, Lazarus 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 is uh, becomes a zombie Lazarus after after his matches, I've I've checked out. That's it's, my personal taste, and I really dislike that sort of stuff because it seems and, silly. But you're also not a fan of horror. I like horror just fine, but I think that you can you can. Um, particularly old school horror like gory just uh sensationalistic shit that you know from like the the hostels and the saws and stuff like that right. i'm not really into that but hey man bring on the wolfman and and all that shit and that and that's I'm down with that and stuff. that's more or less what he's channeling sure but i don't think you have to then uh, uh pretend to be some sort of creature of the the night you you could be someone whose gimmick is I fucking love horror stuff without having to then pretend to uh, or convince a bunch of hopefully level-headed people in the audience that you're, you're uh, you know, <laughs> Brad Pitt and interview with a vampire or right. whatever. And the thing is, is that for, for me, 
mm-hmm. and seeing him go from not having anything honed as a character and then to see the mannerisms when he is walking towards somebody and he has heavy feet as of that of like a Frankenstein or mm-hmm. of something like that. That's something that I value and appreciate because that's something that I'm not doing earlier when we were talking about, well, shouldn't you be on? I'm me. My, yeah. my name, I wrestle under my full name, Cody Hancock cutthroat is now a nickname that are is, you to be cutthroat Cody Hancock. That, that, that is what I'm going by. Cutthroat right. Cody Hancock. So for me, I'm down with that. You know, I, why? I, I, th- there's a specific reason mm-hmm. why I did that is because I want to be me. Right. I don't want to be a zombie. I don't want to be an astronaut. I don't want to be a clown. Okay. So now yeah. uh, parlay this fucking information onto these younger people, you know, years from now when they still have to continue to act like this shit that they were into when they were fucking 21, they'll be like, fuck, I, I wish I could ease out of transition out of this. And you know that he will. You know that eventually one day he'll be like, I hate walking like fucking Frankenstein right. or whatever. You know what I mean? And, like, and those things do happen. And there's always you, transitions and changes. Right. That's why I say it's better to, instead of create a character where you're supposedly of the undead or or any you know number of sort, as opposed to being a horror enthusiast where your gimmicks reflect that, your 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 merch table reflects that, your your online posts you know that's part of people's character whether they understand it or not of course you know because you're only in the ring for what fucking 15 minutes a week yes and the rest of the fucking time you're online that's what people are really absorbing of course so if you're putting out something else guess what that's what you are well and and adriel and laz do a pretty good job i agree because i doing it i do follow at least one of them Yes, you follow Adriel. Yes. And that's and even before Adriel was wearing the fishnets, my man was just wearing a pair of tights that said lost cause on them. But now <laughs> I like that but, better. <laughs> but but now he actually has a look that nobody else is doing right now. Yep. Nobody yep. else is doing right now. So how do you stand I'm not out questioning as an individual? His, I'm not questioning his gimmick. It just makes me scratch my head and go, because I'm not familiar with that era of goth to, right. to go like is this like a, is this character like a gay character for me? I'm, I'm asking that hypothetically, right. hypothetically for me, I see stuff like that and I resonate with it because I grew up in that scene. Mm-hmm. Like that was like the shit that I was doing. I, I was going to Demu Borger concerts mm-hmm. and fucking shit like that. So seeing people walk around with leather pants and fishnet shirts was kind of like, man, I wish I had the body to actually pull that fucking look off. Bro, Which, I mean, I used to be part of the, you know, the music scene out here. And, uh, yeah, there are a lot of people who had uh, gimmicks and were doing up the kayfabe. And, yeah, some of them took it too far. Yeah, man. You know, and I don't know how to uh, give an example of the equivalent of it. But yeah, I'm sure some that, people who, you know, you want to say, you should just be yourself instead of this stupid shit you're putting on. Well, and for Lazarus, it is himself. Because it's an extension of what he loves. It's an extension of what he loves, but it also dabbles in the supernatural. Look, bro, when we first met, I went to an FSW show. And um, who should I see there but future 
MLW star Alex Hammerstone. Alexander Hammercock. <laughs> I fucking love Hammerstone. I'm I'm allowed to call him Alexander Hammerstone. Dude is fucking ripped like no one's business. Um, and he can fucking work. And that's another thing. Uh, the fact that he's not higher than that place yet is uh, pretty mind blowing. But yep. Um, Hammerstone was part of some sort of uh, tag team with another guy. God's War. Okay, yeah. I know exactly where you're going with this. Yeah, okay, because I told you the story as an example of what the fuck. Yeah. Because this dude looked great, he wrestled great, but he came out because he has a, a, a resemblance to Thor. Yes. At the time, he had long blonde hair, jacked to the gills, and I think, I forget if he came out with the helmet on, but he definitely... He had the hammer. There was no helmet. He definitely came out with the supposed hammer that no one, you know, Majolner. Is that how they pronounce it? I never read Thor because I always thought I can't remember the name of his hammer. Well, it's it's M-J-O-L-N-I-R, I I think. Majolner? Majolner? Gesundheit. Thank you. And his tag team partner came out with a shield. Yes. And um, we don't have to name names. (laughs) <laughs> no, you can you can flat out say it. Like no, 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 no. Yes. All right. So yeah, one of the talents there who you were training at the time, he was actually working at the time. No, actually, maybe no. He this wasn't. was before he was working. He was just he was playing the part of a ring boy, and uh, uh, the shield guy hands. <laughs> I don't know that he handed him the shield. I'm sitting in the front row, by the way. He puts the shield on him, and the ring boy spider completely collapses. Yes. And for the entirety of the match. Stayed there. Lied on the mat right in front of me, uh, struggling to lift what looked like a plastic shield. Yes. <laughs> and, and, and he no, was like underneath it, like, uh, his legs and arms yeah. were akimbo. He's like, uh, nobody, uh. nobody really took the time to tell him how long to sell that. So he just kind of felt the need to sell it the entire time. Bro, I was distracted because I was just. You know, where you have your kind of arms on the on the guardrail. And I was just looking down at him like, dude, you're making a fool of yourself. <laughs> well, and I was not the best audience member like, bro, get up. This is embarrassing. Now. And the the one thing that the, the one thing that does make wrestling beautiful is, is that everybody has uh, an opinion on what attracts them to wrestling. There's well, a yeah. huge market for that type of shit. And I just, I wish that they were segregated. Okay. You know what I mean? I wish that there was the serious, you know, early ring of honor style promotion here. And then there was the ridiculous teenage mutant Ninja turtle Memphis promotion over there you know what right. i mean like and, i wish the, i can go to there sh- are so, there are some promotions that tend to stick to one or the other but i also understand there's a lot more promotions that they build their cards right as once again it they build their cards like the circus yeah yeah i mean the the, the metaphor has has proven to be a business model for most promotions but my secret wish is i wish it was closer to what i just des- described because I would love to go to a professional wrestling show and f- for the entire card, not feel stupid that I'm watching this. Yes. You know, there's sometimes like, you know, I'm watching wrestling down here in the studio and sometimes it's so eye rolling that if 
my wife walked in, I would be less embarrassed if she caught me masturbating. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. Like, oh, <laughs> like, no, no, no. I'm not really watching this. I'm just gay. Yeah. And <laughs> man, <laughs> brother, uh, did you, ever, you remember kids in the hall brain candy? I, you know what? I was watching it yesterday. Uh, my favorite, my whole entire favorite part about that was when the mother comes home and the kids are sitting down <laughs> yeah. on the couch and then where's your father? Yeah. Where's he's your father? Watching Ma- gay porn. He's upstairs masturbating to gay porn again, again. And <laughs> just the, when he finally goes to the psychiatrist and you're gay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, what, what do you mean? He's like, there's a scene where it. he gets picked up at a <laughs> truck stop restroom and he tries to explain butt ass naked yeah. on the front step of his house to the neighborhood. I know. I went, yeah. it was filled with all these Queens and, one of them tried to kiss me. me. And I said, no. No, no, no. No. And his <laughs> pants were around his goddamn ankles, you know, like, and the, just the therapist, uh, the line of, I know it. You know it. Dog, you know, dogs know dogs it. The, know the it. only person that doesn't seem to know it is you. Yeah. And then they actually finally give him the happy drug and then he just lives his life as a gay man. We're not going to spoil the end of the movie for anybody else. Right. And once again, man, like I, I fucking love kids in the hall. Yeah, kids in the hall is just so fucking good. But the, the one, the one we thing talk is, a lot about kayfabe on this show, I think. And I think it's because it's a topic that you're extremely passionate about. I'm and passionate you, about it because you, you have, you have very strong opinions on how to uphold it. And well, no, I have theories on how uh, to uphold it, yeah. but the, sadly, there's only a handful of people in the industry who really practice it. Conveniently, all they do is back up my opinion because these are the most uh, successful people in the industry. Yes. People conc- in general agree. Like, oh my God, MJF. He's fantastic. I, you know, you know, he's exercising. He takes that time on Instagram or not on Instagram and Twitter because he understands the game. I feel the vibes. I feel lots of vibes. I'm here in Los Angeles, UWF. I have many, 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 many challengers. You talk about Brian Blair. You talk about San Martino. You talk about Billy Jack. And then you talk about the wonderful, Mr. Wonderful. Who is Mr. Wonderful? Let me tell you, this is a new generation. You're looking at back to the bone, Dr. Death. Mr. Wonderful, you can come out and make yourself look as pretty and as handsome as you want. But when we get in the ring, that's when we'll find out who the boy is and who the man is. And I'll tell you, all over the world, from Tokyo to Germany to Atlanta to New York, they all know who the big man is right here. Yes. You know and, what I mean? And like, I applaud that. And for some people's characters, like for, for instance, right now, if I was uh, being booked as a major fucking heel, right? Like a major fucking heel, I probably would not be doing this podcast in general because I don't have enough time and energy to try to pretend to actually be that mad at people well, maybe you for would. that period of time. Maybe you would on this show, but you would actually 
act, speak your mind with no with almost no filter. Right, almost no filter. And the only reason why I do put a filter on some of the things that I say, at, especially in today's day and age, right. is because anybody can spin a situation into whatever the fuck they want to. Right. And I am not going to fucking fall victim to anybody accusing me of being something that I'm not or accusing me of being or doing something that I would never fucking do. And unfortunately, there's been some really big benefits from cancel culture that I have directly seen. Mm -hmm. And I have also seen the double edge of that sword and it might be sharper Mm. than the opposite end and seeing people twist narratives into their fucking favor in order to protect themselves and try to avoid holding themselves accountable for their own bullshit. What's the benefits of cancel culture? The benefits. I'm asking, uh, just to hear you say it, not like I don't know. To me, the benefits of council culture is motherfuckers being held accountable for things that they can't hold themselves accountable for because they're pieces of shit. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a big topic. Mm-hmm. Because on one hand, it it gets these cats who are who don't know the meaning of boundaries. Yes. On notice, you know. That's never been me. I don't. I don't understand the balls of steel it takes to go up and aggressively mack on a girl. I just. I've never been there. Yeah, man. Um, uh, or the what sort of uh, sociopathy it would require for you to continue after the first. You know. Ew. No. You know. Yeah. So I. I grew up around people that were very persistent very persistent and it really ruined things for me when i was growing up because then i was too trepidatious Mm -hmm. to ever even warrant the idea of possibly making somebody of the opposite sex uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and i went a really long time and i i did not have the best or most interesting love life until i entered my i would say mid twenties, you know, like the, the experience that a lot of people have, uh, I never had that. And I appreciate that because it's just, it's a fucking shame, man. It's, it's a fucking shame. And people, especially in the entertainment industry, think they can get away with far too fucking much. And they should be held accountable. I don't think it's limited to people in the entertainment industry. And I don't even think it's specialized there. And and it's not. And, but from my frame of reference and from where I'm speaking Mm -hmm. and from the interactions that I've had with people and Mm -hmm. I have seen like others like go through some really, really, really bad stuff and they have a right to stand up and speak up. Well, that's, you know, on that note, I absolutely abhor cancel culture and everything about it. I think I find it to be uh, sort of equal but opposite McCarthyism. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I'm a liberal, progressive dude. I, I, I'm i not interested in conservatism at all. Right. Um, but um, I forgot what my thought was. But I think that 
if you are the victim of some sort of thing, I don't think you should wait. I'm not victim blaming. The right. point I'm getting at is I would hope that we would get to a point where the the victims of of whatever offense would simply speak out instead of waiting for some sort of yes. movement. And unfortunately, this fucking conversation got dark. Dark. Jesus. Well, but unfortunately, and it, it's a it's actually a conversation that's been at the top of my mind because we're not too far out of the speaking out movement. But hopefully now that it is a movement, maybe people are going to be able to stand up for themselves now. And instead of having to wait until they can't wait any longer and then they have to go on social media, maybe when these actions happen, they're able to say, no, fuck you. This isn't going to happen. I'm not going to let it happen. Right. And that's the hope and that's the goal uh, at the end of all of this. But once again, there's people that you can all you got to do is you got to make something up and you can put it on the internet and try to ruin somebody's life and people will latch onto it and bite onto it. And that's a fucking shame. Mm -hmm. And that's the, I've seen pro wrestling really prone to it as well. A a thousand percent. And for the people, um, that what I've noticed in the Mm -hmm. entertainment industry, not just in pro wrestling, but as well as the brief period of time that I was dabbling in magic Talent is not exclusive to good people. Oh, yeah, that's true. The problem is... Hold on, I'll elaborate. Yeah. In fact, it... Talent is is an interesting word to use, but I'll say that, you know, there's a reason why your average stand-up comedian is a little twisted in some way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Same thing with professional wrestling. You know, they have similar backstories oftentimes. Yes. Broken homes or, you know, whatever. These hard times make interesting people. And sometimes the interesting part comes with some deficiencies. Yes. And it's it's a very sad, sad thing to bring up, but it is the truth. But man, it's when it comes down to it is that people that victimize others try to make it seem like they won't have a voice Mm -hmm. and that they won't be able to say anything. Well, no one's going to believe you because everybody loves me. Nobody's going to believe you because I'm me and you're you. Mm -hmm. And now that's finally blown up Mm -hmm. in these people's faces. And once again, we're too early. And I guess the problem is that, you know, in general, I don't click on salacious links. Right. You know, when I see a link that you won't believe what blank said, you know, about so-and-so, I, I will never know because, yes, I will believe it. And uh, I don't give a shit because right. uh, your opinion is, is moot here. Right. You know what I mean? I'm a sort of a, I'll believe it when I see it kind of guy. Right. And that, and that goes for everything from from questionable sourced news links to yes. religion to your friend with the truck who says he's going to help you move on Sunday. You when, know what I mean? When I first got with Casey, um, Casey, she doesn't get as much of a headache about it now as she did then. But I, she would say something that she heard that sounded like absolutely ridiculous. And I'm like, what's the website? 
Right. And she's like, I, I heard it from here. And then you just go into your Google machine and then you go to fact check. Right. And then you just turn it around and then you say, okay, well, unfortunately, this is not real. Right. And I, I always, I always have to pay attention, especially in my industry. Sure. Uh, to Bro, the I, stories. I, don't, I, I honestly, I don't know one credible source in right. the world of professional wrestling. Not one. Even Sports Illustrated, they you know do some opinion piece on something. Uh, wrestling Observer Online. All of this shit is opinions. The, uh, correct. And the only credible source when it comes down to somebody doing an injustice to somebody else right. is from the parties involved. Right. And at that point, you have to contrast black and white from the gray in the matter. And there's a lot of situations that are gray and it makes it very difficult <clears throat> when you have to say, Hey, I can understand both sides of this argument, but then there's just other situations that are clear as fucking day. Right. And then people still think that they can get away with shit. Yeah. Pretty wild. Yeah. It's Curtis Thompson. There's the UWF title belt being Escorted away, and Steve Dr. Death Williams against a strong-looking youngster here. And Curtis Thompson, but he's going to get a lesson, I'm sure, from the doctor, Ross. Well, Dr. Death has battled his way, as we talked about earlier in the hour, to the finals of the Buckhouse Stampede. And Dr. Death now has Curtis Thompson in a mighty bad way. The doctor is examining Curtis Thompson, Thompson checking his intestinal fortitude, I would think, here. One you'd like to see over and over again, unless you're Curtis Thompson, who just tries to shake it off right now. You know, we talk so much about his background in football, but equally as much his background in amateur wrestling for Dr. F. Steve Lee. He's a legend on the gridiron. He's a legend in the wrestling room. And around Norman and Oklahoma City, he's a legend in bars. He went wherever he wanted, whenever he wanted, and did whatever he wanted. Missed twice. The third He's bad, I'm telling you. And he'll be in the, in the finals of Stampede, as I mentioned. Road Warrior Animal will be in there as well. And there's two of the biggest, baddest in the wrestling profession battling for half a million bucks. We don't know who the 11th man will be until late in the evening, January 1st. And Curtis is hammering away at the midsection of Dr. Death. He might as well hit the wall. So... Let's try and talk about something a little bit more positive. Check this out. I'm going to fucking <laughs> change the Christ. subject. This was your doing, by yeah, the way. Yeah, man. Oh, yeah. What was I talking about before? Magic Mountain? Yes. I was talking about nothing but good times. Good. <laughs> <laughs> so this past week. That's my gimmick, brother. Is <laughs> <laughs> bringing the fucking show down. Good times, Cody Hancock. Yeah, that's me. Um, so this past week, uh, a little pay-per-view happened. Uh-oh. Uh, called AEW Revolution. We mentioned it last week. Yes, we did. It is, has since happened. Now, I think a couple of weeks ago, we brought up uh, death matches, which we're prone to do. Yes. Uh, where I had criticized specifically exploding barbed wire death matches. Yes. Now, I feel like this conversation happened off air. 
Did it? No, yeah. no, 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 no. This, this happened on air because I remember saying on the air, like, I've never seen a good, a good. exploding barbed wire death match. And I said that I have. And you have, right. Uh, the point is, is what it all, you know, you're going to get, the psychology is, is he going to go into the, the wires? Whoa, his arms are flailing, all this sort of stuff. And then he either recovers or, the, and, or he goes in or the other guy misses and he goes in. And then at the end, there's a big explosion and it's a big to do and everyone goes, oh, well, that was exciting. But and I've only seen one in ever where that explosion at the end was like, holy shit. I can't believe they let people within five feet of that shit. Yeah. Um, Every other one was each. I said this weeks ago, by the way, I should be carried around on people's shoulders like a goddamn prophet. (laughs) The turn the the ring posts have four kind of sparklers, and then some some concussive explosions go off around the ring, and that's it. And in Japan, and this is like twenty plus years ago, even they seem to not be as blown away by it back then. And sure enough, this past Sunday, <laughs> the American audiences were really underwhelmed because they started booing and chanting about getting their money back and, and all this sort of stuff. And the thing is, is that I, if we did have this conversation on a pot, uh, like on air, mm-hmm. I, because I can't remember if it was on air or off air, but it I re- was on the air. Okay. I, I remember specifically saying that this is not the first time that they have tried to do exploding matches in America. Wrestling Society X, you mentioned. Yep. And uh, XPW, and I guess at some point ECW tried to do it, right. and it never came off. Right. Now, I am on the other side of the fence where I have seen some of the explosions, explosions in Japan. Oh, hold on. Slow down. <clears throat> explosions. There we go. Thank you. Ah. Explosions in Japan. I have seen some fantastic ones. I think the secret in the ones that are good is uh, dust. Japanese pyrotechnicians seem well, no. to have this on lock, whereas American pyrotechnicians do not seem to know. No, because the one I, uh, that I've seen, when those concussives go off that are around the ring, that give the the feel of... Hey, something just exploded. Even, even heavy a, smoke. Heavy smoke. Yes. Like, that's why I say, like dust or something. Yep. You know, <clears throat> there's got to be something that produce where it shrouds your your view. But instead, what what we we saw was the four spike sparklers and then a, f- a few boom, 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 concussion little detonations. And that was it. And I, I, I'll tell you who I really feel... I actually, I feel sad for Kenny Omega, in spite of the fact that I think he's the shits. Uh, I feel bad for John Moxley, who bled and really fucked himself up doing this match. And I'm willing to bet it was his idea. Yes. Um, and I really feel bad for Eddie Kingston, who came to the ring. And he is right now one of the best workers in the classical sense of the word in the industry, period. He came out, oh, my God, my friend, he's going to die if I don't get him out of here. And yep. then he throws his body on him. Ah! And, you know, he tuck, he ducks and covers and then yep. fart. And then yeah. he, <laughs> poor guy, 
because he can't see anything. He had his head down. He was really selling it. And then he had to roll off like death. Poor bastard. Still love Eddie Kingston, but goddamn. And now uh, AEW's in the weird position where they just have to play it off like, oh, that <laughs> Well, <laughs> I've heard the, the I've de- heard the excuses, the, and it's the, like whatever. The, the, I, the defense, well, Kenny Omega made a dud. Kenny, yeah. o- can, man, or imp- <clears throat> Impact funded this thing. Once again, uh, accountability is key. And when, what do you do in that scenario? What do you do in that scenario? Uh, do what ECW did and said this was not a good idea, and we're sorry for anybody that feels upset. Offer them a discount for the next pay-per-view or possibly offer them a fucking refund. Mm. And that's a very like it's not the first time in the world that a wrestling promotion has had to issue refunds for something going wrong. I don't think that refunds are necessary. I well, I wouldn't think that refunds were necessary if the crowd wouldn't have and think Dude, this to is a, the, to AEW yep. hardcores. This is AEW can do no wrong. This and unfortunately now we are now entering the realm of what I thought was going to end up happening at some point with AEW because the sheen wears <clears throat> off. The yep, and now it's going to turn into their fans being hyper mega fucking critical of their product, right? And no longer protecting it the way that they were doing. WWE fans are like, once again, I love wrestling fans. I, I will always be a wrestling fan. It's the only reason that I'm doing this shit to begin with. And I love almost every aspect of wrestling. So when we're talking earlier about spider being crushed underneath the shield, Mm. I understand it. And it might not be my cup of tea, but somebody else might have really enjoyed that. I felt bad for him. Yes. And I felt bad for me. <laughs> and, you know what I mean? Because yes. that's, that's the real shitter. Yes. Is that <sighs> this poor kid, someone told him, hey, lie underneath this shield and just kick and, and try to lift it in spite of the fact that it looks like it weighs uh, half a pound. Yep. Um, you know, just really struggle and, down there. All right, go ahead and get it. And he was down there for 20 minutes. <laughs> and then I had to sit there and go, bro, this is embarrassing for you. And I'm embarrassed to be sitting in the front row. <laughs> and, that, and, and let's and let's snap back to the here and the now. Like wrestling fans hijack shows. Yeah. Uh, like I can't remember the specific pay per view, but it was the. one. I mean, there's plenty of where, them. The problem is, is that they're too smart for their own good, where they can't even enjoy shit. The there was a specific pay per view that was a tag match, and Cesaro was in it. And, and the fans, ball. the beach ball, and <clears throat> he hopped over the top rope and grabbed it and ripped it up. He didn't just hop and over the top rope. He man, hopped out into the audience, audience went, yes. and went up some stairs, got it, and busted that shit, and, and then went back to the was, ring and went back right back to work. And I think he was a heel at the time, yep. so he only furthered his heel it, it was one of the greatest moments I had ever seen because right. it just goes to show who's actually in fucking control. Right. The wrestler can be in fucking control. Yeah. And that's something that I... This has happened to me more than once, Mm -hmm. and it's one of the things that I kind of wish I was a heel right now, because anytime I see... Bro, you're a heel like Stone Cold's a heel, you know what I mean? Yep. Anytime I see somebody in public that is wearing a wrestling shirt, I will always engage them into a conversation, Mm -hmm. okay? And there was one specific instance that there was a fan, his name was Ray Sanders, and... 
I saw him at a Chevron and he was wearing a Bullet Club hoodie. And I went to compliment him on his hoodie and he did not recognize who I was. And he basically rolled his eyes, groaned, and was like, yeah. <laughs> and then, like, hey, fuck you, yeah, buddy. Put his hand down or put his head down. And I promptly went on social media and I'm like, to the asshole wearing the Bullet Club hoodie at Chevron. I have done more with my life than you ever fucking will. Mm. And he, this is a very mature response to the scenario, by but the way. He he ended up contacting me and he's like, I didn't realize that was you. And it was a very mature response. No, because then wasn't. I was able to open a dialogue with him and tell him you should be proud of being a wrestling fan. And you should be able to have a conversation with somebody that is also a wrestling fan instead of trying to make them feel like they can't come to your fucking party. First of all, settling hash online is not is a fucking complete juvenile way to handle things. At the same time, then the guy ended up becoming a bigger fan of mine, bought a T-shirt and now actually put one of my logos on his race cars. So you you can say what you say, but I got progress out of what I did. All right. I'm going to just start going around fucking telling people they're jerk offs online. Right. CM Punk calls people jerk offs online all the goddamn time, man. You seem to be really behind it. Not always right. No, that's not true. Not always right. But you're our big CM Punk fan. That's what I'm getting at. I was a CM Punk fan. He hasn't wrestled in a few years. I don't know if you noticed. That's a very true statement. It's not like I rush out and see all these, you know, C-level movies that he's in. (laughs) You know what I mean? I like CM Punk as a worker. Yeah, man. And unfortunately, and I do, I do understand what you were saying. However, what I'm saying is that I got progress out of that thing. And to tell, but do you think that he was embarrassed to be a wrestling fan and he thought you were making fun of him? No, he, for whatever reason, I think that his thought process was this person probably doesn't even know what it is. Oh, so he was just smug or elitist, which by the way, welcome to the pro wrestling industry. Uh, and and this, fucking most fans are smug. And, and this is my problem. Right. This is my fucking issue. Because for me, if somebody wants to come and talk to me about wrestling, we have a fucking podcast right. to talk about wrestling. This is, we have a podcast to openly speak about the thing that we enjoy. Yeah. And, I'm not shy about approaching anybody. Right. And to be able to have a conversation with somebody, if you treat people like they're special, they might treat you like you're special. Mm. And when somebody is just trying to pay you a compliment on something that is so fucking niche. This guy just sounds like an asshole, if I could be honest. He, because, he, right. look, I wear sort of not mainstream wrestling t-shirts. You know, uh, right. you know I'll wear like a, a New Japan shirt or something. Yeah. And... I know if someone goes, hey, nice shirt. I go, this motherfucker's in the club with me. Yes. And you know then, what I mean? And that's the way it should be. And the Ray Sanders guy, I'm not going to flat out call him an asshole, but I will. I held him accountable for his actions. Sure. And he then held himself accountable in turn. And he is a much better fan now than he was then. And I, I have these situations happen all the time. Right. All the fucking time. And it's unfortunate. Don't you think that it almost requires or even breeds that mentality? Because I'll, I'll tell you, my sister one year, she got me tickets to WWE Live, you know, house show. Yes. And uh, for my birthday. 
And uh, I said, oh, hey, thanks. She goes, yeah, let's go and boo John Cena. And I was like, I'm not booing John Cena. She's like, you like him? And everybody are quick to forget. John Cena was the shits for years. Yes. Well, <laughs> the the fans did not want him to be who what he, he was. What he was, right. Right. Look, mm-hmm. in retrospect, I could say I understand it now. The problem, this opens up a whole, all right, fuck it. We're spinning off. Another yep. conversation. Yes. <clears throat> John Cena uh, did the white rapper gimmick. Yes. Got a little bit of heat, and they got behind him. Flipped him baby face. But what they didn't realize is just because some wrestling fans thought, oh, this guy's interesting, during a time when that company was really shitty, that they didn't realize that the rest of the world sort of frowns upon sort of lame white rappers. Right. <laughs> it was like, it was not like particularly great rap. He, whenever he came out to the ring, it was not like he was saying these rhymes on the beat. Yes. It seemed really unskilled to me. Uh, and he continued to carry on in this gimmick until he just dropped rapping altogether and just became the Boy Scout John Cena. People hated him with the exception of children. Now, I, as an adult, saw it for what it was. Kids like this guy, so they ain't going to flip him. Yes. Which, okay, fine. I understand that. Um, but it seems like every other adult, including my sister, could not wrap their brain around the fact that Look, they ain't going to flip this guy. Quit booing. You're wasting your breath. If you want to vote, vote with your dollar. Don't fucking be here. Well, and that's ultimately, I've said that before, and I'll say it again. You do vote with your dollar, but you're still going to buy a ticket. Right. And like, and there is something that is a little bit special about being able to voice your opinion right. at a wrestling show. But that's what I'm, that's right. the point I was originally going to make. Sorry to cut you off. What that uh, it inspire, they inspire in fans this sort of, hey, I got to speak my opinion, this, no matter how uneducated or ill-advised it might be. Right. Because they want that noise. They don't want an entire arena of people like me who are too hip or too smart, who are sitting there with their arms folded. <laughs> I hate to say this out loud, but you really do need an arena full of fucking dumb fucks. <laughs> yeah. Not dumb fucks. I don't want to say that because it, it, you'll be guilt by association. People that are but willing like, to play along, man. That people are there to have a good time. Yes. You know, when I watch it, I almost look at pro wrestling like Broadway. I sit there quietly and enjoy the fucking show. Yes. And even though I'm not hooting and hollering and jumping up and down, with some exceptions. You, if you're a really good character, I will come unglued. Yeah, fucking shit, get them, you know. Yes. But as it stands... The majority of pro wrestling today, I'm just enjoying as a as an entire genre. Yes. Right? You've seen me at pro wrestling shows before. I'm normally critique. I'm kayfabe myself. I'm the guy who's criticizing the, the referee. Yes. Ref, what are you doing? Are there no rules? Get in there. What the fuck's going on? You yes. Know? You know, that's that's my contribution to the show. Uh, and, and it <laughs> is appreciated. <laughs> I, I'm sure that... All of our referees are very thankful to have you in the crowd. God damn, what show was it? I went to an FSW show and I was doing that shit. And this guy looked confused. He didn't know what to do. I, and I can't tell if he was really flustered by what I was saying to him. 
or whether he was really like, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a little bit from column A, a little bit from column B. I guess, but that was yeah. my deal. Uh, and I, it still would be like, hey, ref, get in there. Those and are closed fists. What you, are we doing? You would think that wrestling might be a little bit more successful if it wasn't for people trying to make it exclusive. And that's... Well, that, I mean, hey, man, when the Beatles first started, they were pretty famous in Liverpool. And when they broke out, people in Liverpool were butthurt about it because before they were just ours. It was just ours. Yes. You know and, what I mean? And, it's, and man, territorial pissings and like, oh, this person sold out and all this other fucking horse shit, man. Like, here's the fucking thing, man. I want somebody that I care about to sell out. I want to know that they get a bag full of fucking money and I want to make sure that they can live the rest of their lives without ever having to worry about anything again. Cause I appreciate the fact that they did something in order to earn that type of thing. I think more people are <clears throat> hip nowadays to the idea of making a living doing at, what a, you and, love and, and not at the expense of your integrity. Yes. Right. That was the big thing. Like when I was a teenager, like green day, man, they sold out because they're on a major record label and all this stuff. It's like, wait a minute. Now I'm older. I'm wiser. And it's like, they didn't sell out. They just fucking bought wrote, in. They wrote pop songs and a major label picked them up. And that's that. Why would they turn that shit down? I now I see the sunny side. Yeah. You know, um, I'm going to go back to John Cena because I want to make a, a point to wrap up that conversation about Cena real quick. Sorry to jump around. Yeah, man. Do you remember when people started respecting John Cena and the booze slowly went away? I can't remember a specific time. This is a lesson that I wish more promoters and bookers or whoever really pay attention to because he was booed for a decade. He had already won the world heavyweight, blah, 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 whatever, 15, 16 times. Then he won the U.S. championship. Do you remember that? Vaguely. He won the U.S. championship, and then every week on Raw, it was... He's going to defend the U.S. championship, the U.S. championship open or whatever it was. And he would. Wrestle, That's right. That is correct. And, and he then would wrestle Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens. And yes. Sami Zayn. Yeah. And, it and did, then he went. And he, he he didn't lose it. He gave everybody a chance to shine and they all had an opportunity. And a lot of them had their careers really catapulted because of it. And those they, matches like Cena went out of his comfort zone correct. Uh, specifically. And he proved a lot of people wrong with that. But ultimately they respected him. There's a, there's a natural progression to things where you need to, you're in your career. You have to slowly evolve upwards. Yeah. You can't just be thrust. This is something else that they have to learn or they had to learn with, Roman Reigns, when they just all of a sudden he's the guy who's winning tag teams in the opening match to being the main event next week. You can't just jump from bottom to top and expect good results. Right. People smell it and go, I don't like the way this is story, the way the story is going. Boo. You know. Right. That's when people started to like or appreciate John Cena. It's a shame that it was at the end of his career. And I I remember specifically, because I used to be shithead fan number B. Right. And I would always <clears throat> loudly cheer the heels and boo the baby faces. And I remember going to the show, and it was right when I started wrestling training. And I think it was a SmackDown. <clears throat> and 
Oh, John Cena, you fucking suck. Oh, five moves of doom. Oh, As if every wrestler doesn't have five moves, moves of, of doom. doom. Right. And I remember I had, like I said, I had just started the training. The most successful wrestler, I think, of, of the past 20 years has less than five, five moves. Five moves of doom. Yeah, man. Care to guess? Hogan. Nah, Brock Lesnar. Lesnar. There you go. Suplex. I said of the last 20 years. <clears throat> right, 20 years. There you go. Yeah. yeah. He had <clears throat> shoulder in the corner. F5. F5, German suplex. He used to do the triple uh, rib breaker. I remember that. What was that? That was when he first debuted. He would hit the rib breaker nah, like nah, three no. times. I'm just throw. talking about really <clears throat> now. the last 10 years. Really. My, and my man throws like be- be- fucking 50 Germans in a match. Yeah. The, and it's great. And guess what? He's the only one anyone buys. Why? Kayfabe, brother. Yep. <clears throat> and that's... I really, really think that when I saw this thing happen with Cena and I'm booing the fuck out of him and then there's a little kid that's in the row below me Mm -hmm. and he's all decked out. He's got the shirt. He's got the wristbands. His mom is like got the cup and just John Cena mania is like running wild. And then I can't remember who is working, but the clothesline. Gets thrown and John Cena ducks. And then the second that John Cena ducked the clothesline, you could see the kid inch up out of his chair right. and pop himself up. And then the first shoulder tackle comes yeah, and yeah. the guy takes a bump and <clears throat> now it's time. And then that's normally when I start like, oh, the same old shit. And, you know, and I couldn't even chant same old shit because then I watched that little boy and then I watched another little boy right. and then I looked across the room and then I saw a sign go up and then I just slowly started watching every single person in the building react at the exact same time to the exact same thing that was happening and then they all despite being different people they all individually had the same enthusiasm right. for the ones that weren't being shitheads. Right. And then that's when I fucking finally got it. Oh, so you, I, you know, I had an epiphany with John Cena versus Rob Van Dam. There you go. Rob Van Dam to me at the peak of ECW was the fucking coolest character ever. Yeah. And when they were bringing back ECW and they had that, when he cashed in the money in the bank. Yes in advance was like, I'm defend. I'm going to attempt to go for this title at, you know, one night stand or whatever. It was. Yes. And he's going against John Cena. Cena wins. We riot. Yeah. There's the sign was hanging from the rafters. They were, they fucking hated John Cena and everything that he stood for. And I started respecting him when he came out. The throwing the t-shirt. Bro. B- before that. <gasps> Music plays, crowd loses it. Oh, God. He comes out, puts the title up, head down. Fuck all of you. He yep. just walks right to the ring. And then, yeah, the T-shirt deal for yep. people who don't remember. He gets to the ring. He takes off his T-shirt. He throws it out. Well, the ECW arena threw it back at him. He takes it again. He throws it in a different direction. That person throws it back. He takes it. And he throws it again. That person throws it and back. And like the very last one, the dude like wiped his ass with it <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. between his legs. That's right. <sighs> uh, but yeah, during that time, it was like he's playing them like a fiddle. Yeah. And he's not an yep. idiot. He knows exactly what he's doing. He knows he's not welcome here and he's the heel here and he fucking 
did it great. Milked it the fuck up. And it was one of the, and that's the thing that does suck, man, is like we're sitting here complaining about that aspect of wrestling, but at the same time, there's moments where that can be special. But which aspect? The aspect of the crowds dictating control. Well, I it's and not just that about, specific room was built for Rob Van Dam yeah. to be the baby and John Cena to be the heel. The whole build-up to that was ECW versus WWE, and they did it extremely well. And it was a really cool moment to actually witness. It's not. It's not just that that aspect. Uh, I've said it for years now. I would be a bigger professional wrestling fan if it weren't for all these pro wrestling fans. I yeah, mean, man. some of their behavior fucking really makes me irk. Yeah, you know, one of the last big shows I went to. Actually, I remember it. <laughs> I got to tell this story actually real quick. It was a SmackDown taping. Uh, First of all, I should say I did not enjoy being there because it was the half arena deal where, you know, in the early 2000s, those arenas were sold out. Now when you go, it's not a show that you're there to enjoy. It's a show that you're uh, an ancillary cast member in because there's a camera on one side, no one else on that side of the arena. And then Everyone else is on, you know, the other side. Meanwhile, every time somebody comes out and grabs a microphone, they ain't facing you. They're facing the camera. So you're watching, you you realize like, oh, I'm part of the production here. Yep. I'm not having a great time. And by the way, people come out and grab microphones during TV tapings, it turns out, a lot. Yep. So you're basically watching the backside of, you know, and uh, that- Xavier Woods while he yep. cuts his super pretentious promo like oh i was i was a huge driving factor in them getting to move the hard cam at fsw because back in the day the hard cam used to be towards the entrance right and the bleachers were set up away from the entrance so how can i emotionally connect with people when my back is towards them yeah well and I'll make it known here. I am not a Randy Orton fan. I think his his in-ring work is pretty carefully crafted. You know, he has a very specific pace. Yes. Which a lot of wrestlers respect, and I respect it as well. But when I see someone hand that man a microphone, I think that that person should be tackled <laughs> and thrown in the fucking gulag for <laughs> fucking war crimes because I know some rotten shit is coming. And... This particular SmackDown taping in Las Vegas, I remember seeing it on TV the next day or whatever, and you can see me physically sitting over his shoulder, and I'm stirring. Oh, ah! <laughs> As he's delivering this, you know, whenever I think about Seamus, I blah, 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 and I'm I just like... <laughs> I hear the voices in my head. You could see <clears throat> I am physic- in physical pain, like, oh... This can't, this has to stop. Oh, the worst. Anyway, this particular show, sorry, I kicked my microphone. This particular show, there was a guy sitting one seat ahead of me and one over to the right. This fat motherfucker wouldn't shut the fuck up the entire show. He was just espousing whatever little uh, smart fan knowledge he had. You know, our truth is out there and he's going, Kay, quick, yes. trying to get his attention. And it's like, and. <laughs> Our truth turns around and look like, huh? You know, just to give this guy a fucking just a give little, him something, just to give give him a little moment, and everyone goes, "Oh, he looked at you!" Oh, everyone's high five in this fucking nerd, right? Ugh. 
God damn it. I wish I can go to these shows and have fun, but there's always a fucking knucklehead. There will and there always will be, unfortunately, but hey, wrestling. Before we go. <laughs> I should have just ended the show right now. <laughs> before we go, I want to give quick apologies because I don't want to I don't mean to bury young talent. Uh so to Lazarus and Oh, say his name again. Noctis. Adriel Noctis. Adriel. I, you know, instinctually want to say Adrian. Adriel Noctis, I apologize for being harsh. I don't hate you or 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 your gimmick. I just uh I it's not my cup of tea. Uh it, it's my cup of tea. So I'm okay with it. Whatever. That. I'm smarter than you. Yeah, that. that's okay. You can be smarter than me if you want to be. 